Thank you to everyone who supports this show and all of the shows in the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. If you're not already, you can become a Major Spoilers member by signing up at patreon.com slash majorspoilers. The Major Spoilers Podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Rodrigo. I'm Ashley. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, Doctor Strange is strange in his season one debut. DC Universe is infinite, and Marvel heroes are reborn again. Plus, reviews, news, and of course, commentary you've come to expect from the usual gang of idiots. No, not the fine folks at Mad Magazine, just us. It's time for the Major Spoilers Podcast. Sorry. All of this. Anyway... Issue 911, Doctor Strange, Season 1. Ashley's here, Rodrigo is here, Matthew is out this week. I'm sure you'll hear all about it on the uh, on the Twitter feeds. Uh, but uh, if you want to hear us talking about a tease, if you want to hear us talking about uh, uh, Netflix television series and the problems with dubs and subs, you definitely want to go and check out our Major Spoilers pre-show over at patreon.com slash major spoilers. When you sign up at the silver level and higher, you get access to all that cool pre-show talk. Find out more at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Also, don't forget, uh, when you become a patron, you get access to an exclusive RSS feed that you just copy and paste into your favorite uh, podcast app. And every time we release a new bit of audio on that uh, on, on the Patreon, it instantly comes to your to your podcast player. That's how cool RSS feeds are. So if you haven't checked out your Patreon exclusive RSS feed, get over there to patreon.com slash major spoilers and check it out for yourself. Let us jump into some news. This is a bit of an old story, but one that uh, many have forgotten about. DC Universe has officially switched from a one-stop shop for all DC comics, television, and movies to DC Universe Infinite, an online digital comic book subscription service. The flip went live last week for those in the U.S. and will go international this summer for everyone else. Uh, DC is giving comic book fans access to 24,000 comic books in its back catalog, as well as comics released six months after the physical release hits the comic book shelves. Monthly price for the subscription service, which is kind of like the Comixology Unlimited or Marvel Unlimited, sets you back $7.99 per month. So I'm guessing that's because all the video content is going to HBO. HBO. Yeah, HBO Max is where it's all at. So instead of shutting it down, they're just like, well, we'll make it our premium subscription service. It's not a bad idea. People have been asking about it for a long time. Yeah, they have. All right. Uh, If you are a fan of crazy, big-chested Captain America, uh, drawn in the way that only Rob Liefeld can, then hold on to your hats, as Heroes Reborn is happening again. Uh, According to Marvel Comics, uh, this incarnation of the series will take place in a world where Tony Stark never built an Iron Man suit and Thor is a hard-drinking atheist. Meanwhile, the Squadron Supreme will take on Dr. Juggernaut, the Black Skull, the Silver Witch, and more. How will the Marvel Universe be fixed? Look to Blade. Blade has the answers and will try to correct the shift in reality. Oh, man. A lot of people are giving Future State a lot of flack and, you know, a lot of the constant uh, DC reboots. But I think it's a good time to remind everyone that Marvel does this a lot as well, whether it be House of M or whether it be Heroes Reborn or Heroes Reborn Again. uh, They're not... uh, they're not uh, immune to going back to the well to try to capitalize on past success. Now, do they have creators tied to this? 
I don't think I have seen any names yet, although they did circulate, and you can find that over on the Major Spoilers website, uh, they did circulate a bunch of art for some of the characters that will be appearing in this, like the Silver Witch and Dr. Juggernaut, um, but I, I haven't seen any writers attached yet. I'm sure that will come out in the next couple of weeks, because this kicks off, I want to say, in April. Yes, yeah, so they, they better have some in the hopper. Yeah. Speaking of uh, things in the hopper, in the world of wacky rumors, the latest has a new Harry Potter series in development for HBO Max. Like all the rumors you hear on the internet, no writers, directors, actors, or like we were just saying, artists are attached to this project. Warner Brothers says it's not working on a Harry Potter project, but you know, internet sources, they keep saying this is a go. Um, I think we should stop letting hateful people have franchises, if you I, ask me personally. That's <laughs> kind of my that's kind of my feeling too right now. Um I, uh, you know, we have already purchased in our house all of the Harry Potter books and the movies, right? So that money is already gone. But mm-hmm. I've kind of, I've kind of discouraged, although the youngest, he did want to do a Harry Potter marathon a couple of months ago. So we've watched all the movies again recently. I've kind of discouraged the kids from checking out anything Harry Potter. And we certainly haven't watched anything beyond the very first um, Fantastic Beast movie. Yeah, it's tough to... It's tough to convey to kids what all is going on outside of the margins of Mm -hmm. of Harry Potter. So, you know, it's like there's there's a Harry Potter video game in the works. Yeah. A lot of people are very excited for it. And it's tough to be like, don't be excited for it, jerk. Um, So it's, you know, it's kind of a mess. But the, the machine keeps asking for money. So I know I, I know we've talked before about separating the art from the artist and, you know, especially in the case of H.P. Lovecraft and how over time that that has happened. But I think because. Yeah, but at least H.P. Lovecraft, you can say that he was a man from a now antiquated society. J.K. Right. Rowling is still out there spewing well, bile that she yeah. has no business. And yet. that's and that's kind of the, really? that, what I was getting to, at least with H.P. Lovecraft, Sorry. there's been time, distance and death that has separated us and the fact that people have taken his work and reworked it and twisted it in new ways. J.K. Rowling, regardless of what Warner Brothers says, mm-hmm. um, she's going to be involved in this every step of the way. And I think that's yeah, where it kind of feels tainted. Won't let anyone else script her work. Yeah, exactly. What were you going to say, yeah, Rodrigo? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's the, the a big difference is who's getting paid and what are they doing with that money, right? Mm-hmm. It's the it's the the ongoing uh, like. Uh, the ongoing seething like pain that everybody who read Ender's game and yeah. loved it yeah. still feels every day because the author is out there just taking the money that you give it and giving it to like anti-gay groups. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's like that. It, it, it's, it's the active uh, giving of, uh, or using of that money and that platform for those kind of ideas that that's the real problem yeah and i think a lot of people in the trans community this this past week when this news kind of or this rumor i shouldn't say it's news when this rumor came out a lot of them were just like no please don't give her any more money because yeah. that only um heightens her platform to, to speak uh the things that she's been saying so i kind of agree with them and i really if this went to hbo um i i know i wouldn't watch it but I and I probably would be very tempted to maybe even cancel that HBO subscription. So I think people are going to have to use their their voices quite a bit and their wallets quite a bit to uh, get HBO to rethink this. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, listeners, we want you to join in on the conversation about these stories and more. You can join the Major Spoilers Discord server for free. Or again, if you have a Patreon account, you can link your Patreon account to Discord and then you can get access to even more features. You can find out more at patreon.com slash Major Spoilers. 
Let us jump into some reviews this week, and let's go back last week to a series that, or I guess it's a movie that debuted on Amazon Prime last week. One night in from my uh, one night in Miami from Regina King as the director. You know Regina King uh, most recently in her work on the Watchmen t- television series. Yes. Yeah, so one night in Miami is based on a play. Uh, by an amazing writer named Kemp Powers. If you don't know that name, uh, you should. And I'm going to tell you this because Kemp Powers not only was smart enough to retain the rights and write the screenplay for this movie, which is very good. Uh, And usually when you watch movies based on plays, you can tell. But I think One Night in Miami does a really, really good job at updating for the new medium. But Kemp Powers also scripted Soul. And fun fact about Soul in the French dub uh, he is voiced by Omar Sy, who plays oh, Lupe cool. in the Lupe series. So huh. now we're got now we've gone full circle on everything uh, the three of us have talked about <laughs> these couple hours today. Yeah. Uh, One night in Miami was inspired by a sports biography um, that has the briefest of mentions of the moment uh, of a night when Cassius Clay, Jim Brown, Sam Cooke, and Malcolm X were all in Miami at the same time, hanging out. Uh, and then Kent Powers stated that, uh, you know, Sam Cooke died later that year. Malcolm X died the next year. Uh, the next day, Cassius Clay came out as a Muslim and changed his name to Muhammad Ali. Uh, the next year, Jim Brown quit football and started his acting career. And so he said that in his mind, it had always been percolating what was happening on February 25th, 1964 in Miami, Florida. And this movie kind of over a two-hour journey explores that. And... I know a lot of people are going to look at this, particularly uh, given the social events of the last year in the wake of a lot of movies like Trial of the Chicago 7, and they're going to think that it is all politics all the time, particularly with Malcolm X being one of the lead characters. And it is, but it is... I don't want to say more than that because I don't want to take away the importance of the politics that are being discussed and the ethical issues that are being discussed because it's also uh, depressing that some of the things being brought up in 1969 are still incredibly relevant, but this is the story of four men who understand each other in a very specific way at a very specific time who are all driving toward the same goal, but are going about it in a different way and how that bonds them together and how at equal points it brings them to loggerheads. Um, I think it's incredible. I think it's beautiful. Uh, Regina King is pretty much perfect in my eyes. I didn't think there was anything she couldn't do and she can certainly direct. Um, A lot of people are shouting out all of the actors uh, for that. They're going to be deserving of uh, performance accolades. I definitely agree with that. I want to give a special shout out to Aldous Hodge who's in that because he's going to be playing Hawkman. And this made me even more excited to see that um, the upcoming black Adam movie, whenever that's getting made. Um, But I particularly want to mention the performance of Kingsley Benadir. He is an English actor who plays Malcolm X. And first of all, I'm obsessed with his red hair. He has the most incredible hair in the world. Um, But he brings such a humanity and such a pathos to um, a man and a a character that is often presented as uh, difficult or challenging or scary and he is not that like he is the heart and soul of this movie and uh, like i i he, he brought me to tears i was just so impressed the whole time with how good his performance was so if you want to see everybody in the movie at the top of their game 
playing a bunch of people uh, and telling the story of a bunch of people at the top of their game. Uh, plus Lance Reddick showing up and starting fights as the bodyguard. I cannot recommend uh, One Night in Miami enough. It's streaming for free on Amazon Prime. There's literally no reason for you not to go and check it out. It is the best thing I've seen all year. I know there's only been 26 days in the year so far. Uh, and it is already 2021's first uh, Academy Award and all award contenders. I think that if you're interested in filmmaking and storytelling, it would behoove you. You would be remiss if you didn't check out One Night in Miami. It's so good. And I can't believe it had never been on Broadway. So whenever Broadway in New York reopens and it's safe, get on that. This is embarrassing. Yeah. I'm curious. Do you think Amazon is going to have the same troubles that Netflix has had trying to get, you know, the the Academy to recognize the films for Oscar contention? After last year, I don't think so, because everything has to go to streaming. Okay. I If we had not had the pandemic and we had not shut down in this way, I think it would have been another five, ten years. But it's the only platform that we have right now. And One Night in Miami uh, did open... Uh, at film festivals last year, uh, okay, uh, it, it does have a limited release. Um, and if you're dumb enough to go to the movie theater, you uh, <laughs> please go and spend your money on it. Or if you're in a country where you, you know, um, look after your citizens, you could also probably go and see it. But uh, so, but I do, I do think that Amazon and Netflix and Hulu and all streaming platforms, I think it's going to take probably another 10, 15 years before they are seen as anything other than the redheaded stepchildren mm-hmm. of the film industry. But mm-hmm. I think after 2020, it brooks no argument that they are in contention with WB, you know, I, I, Sony, whoever, any studio you can think of, um, just because they are bringing the art to the people yeah. in the same way that, um, you know, digital comics had to pick up that burden for a long time, too, for months and months when shops were closed down. Yeah, I'm just I'm just curious. I'll be interested to see. I mean, a lot of people have been talking about One Night in Miami. It's popped up on when I flipped uh, oh, so through good. Amazon a couple of times already to say, hey, you need to watch this. Uh, but uh, after this stellar review, I will probably go and check it out. Thank you for that, yeah. Ashley. Uh, dear listener of this show, the Major Spoilers podcast show that you are listening to right now in your ears. Uh, did you know we have another show? It's called The Dueling Review. And it is a show that comes out on Thursday night, Friday morning, depending on where you're li- where you live and how you live. Hello, future people. Uh, but we record that show live on Thursday nights at eight o'clock p.m. For those of you that have connected your Patreon account to the Discord, you can go and listen to that show live. One of the other things that we do each week, and you should know this, is that those people who are patrons, even somebody at the one dollar level, can go and vote on the comic book that we will review. On the next week's show. And this week we had one of the tightest voting uh, polls that we have had. It was literally one vote separating future state Aquaman and at Gretsuko meet her friends number three. Hey, I reviewed number two. You did review number two. Okay, good. Because (laughs) I'm going to review number three right now. It didn't make the cut. For the dueling review this week. So we will be reviewing uh, Future State Aquaman number one. But uh, I knew nothing about Agret Suko. (laughs) And people are like, oh, no, this is so great. You need to go check it out. I'm like, "Okay, well, first of all, let me go do some wiki research. And apparently this is an anthropomorphic red fox, uh, Mm -hmm. a girl red fox who uh, is living in Japan and is working as an accountant and uh, as a young uh, woman who is trying to rise up in the world of business, uh, she has a lot of a lot of crap in her way um, from her um, horrible bosses 
to uh, women who have already higher status than she does, to just general office politics. And after five years of working on this, uh, it has really gotten her down. And the only way that she can she can cope is she goes and sings every night. She goes in and rents a karaoke room and she sings heavy metal, death metal uh, all night long to get her aggravations out. This is an animated series as well as a web comic and something else. Uh, I watched a couple of episodes of the animated series and it's cute in a weird way. Just in Dubs the fact that um, I, because I was only kind of half watching, because once you kind of see the animation style, you kind of know what you're what you're mm-hmm. seeing. So I went ahead and did a dub so I could kind of listen to what was going on. And I feel so bad for Retsuko because uh, she just deals with horrible people. Her boss, Director Tan, is just oh, this yeah. horrible misogynistic guy. And every man that she meets is always like, oh, well, this is women can't do this. Women are below this and blah, 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 blah. And to me, it feels like it's a very depressing series uh, just because of that. And so after I watched a couple of episodes and cracked open at Gretsuko meets meet her friends number three, and I find out that, oh, her her boss, director Tan, uh, forces her to participate in a golf tournament uh, because of uh, the way that this bidding went on at this this auction. Uh, she gets uh, hooked up with this female golf pro and director Tan gets to go and do. Um, his golf partner is the is a is a male pro who he admires and just loves and thinks is great. And of course, the women are doing better than the men in this golf tournament. And throughout the entire uh, issue, the the men are just putting the women down left and right. You know, through subtle uh, sexual innuendos, through uh, just you know straight up misogyny about women aren't aren't good enough for this. And then finally, at some point, and I, I just really was not going to get into this book because there is so much of that going on. Um, finally, director Tan totally changes his tune, and we come to find out that the reason why he was also bidding on the female golf pro is because he was hoping that his daughters would have come to this event with him to play, but the girls thought that golf was stupid, and so he was feeling bad, so that's why he met, made Retsuko do it, and then he, the director, Tan, ends up turning on the the, the male uh, male chauvinist in this in this group and basically tells him he's he doesn't deserve director Tan's respect or anything like that. So in the end, we kind of find out that director Tan is slowly, possibly starting to change his ways and his belief system in how women are, especially when someone attacks his daughters. And in the end, even though he comes up to Retsuko and is like, hey, I'm going to plop all this extra work on you, not because I'm mean or not, you know, not because I'm, I'm a horrible boss, but because I know you can handle it. And so because of the way this issue ended, I was really kind of changed my mind about uh, Retsuko and the animated series and this comic book series. It's actually pretty good. I think there's a message in there about over, you know, some perseverance and persistence, but also really heavy handedly showing how bad men can be in the world towards women. And so I think that this is, is kind of got a kind of a positive spin on that, even though most of it is, you know, sexist jokes uh, throughout. Um, Oni press uh, lion fortune entertainment sent us the review copy of this. Uh, I I enjoyed it. I think probably the biggest thing that's missing or the thing that doesn't translate as well is even though you do get to see all the cute uh, anthropomorphic animals in here, there's something about the kind of heavy thick line flash animation type style that you see in the animated series that I think is Mm -hmm. missing in this translation. 
And then the other biggest thing that's missing is even though she is got some heavy metal, uh, death metal moments in this. Lyrics don't translate into the page without music behind them. So even though there is a moment in there where she's she's doing her death metal thing, um, I don't think it plays as well because there's no actual music behind there. Still, this is an enjoyable series. I think maybe people might want to go check it out. I'm going to give it uh, three and a half slices of meatloaf out of five. Um, it's very enjoyable uh, if you can get past all the other stuff to get to the moral of the lesson. But there's a lot of of stuff that you have to dig through, kind of like Retsuko does throughout her, her daily life. Uh, but there is some little gem at the end of the journey that I think will be worth it to many people. So that is out this week from Oni Press and Lion Forge Entertainment. R- Rodrigo, are you familiar with that Gretsuko? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I've, I've watched a few episodes of the, of yeah, the am show. I, am I far off on my assessment? I don't think so. Um, I, again, I haven't gotten really into it enough to start seeing the character's personality start to change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely, uh, I definitely empathize with the characters trying to make their way in the business world yeah. and having a, a lot of issues and needing to do something to, to work that out, like record a podcast <laughs> two days a week. Actually, you did issue number two. This is, I think, is either the second or third comic book series in this in this run. Well, the show's been out for several years, so that would make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, does this uh, still kind of uh, fit within your your last review? Yeah, totally. I think the tie-ins are really good. They're they're pretty much one and dones. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not like a ton of a uh, through line, but that's the same with the show. Like there'll be like one kind of bare through line for the season or sort of like Retsuko's ongoing anger issues or her ongoing issues with men. So uh, I dig it. Yeah. Very, very cool. All right. We're going to wrap our review section uh, with uh, fear case. Number one from dark horse comics that comes out on February 3rd. Fear case. Number one, uh, Matt kind. Kind? I say kind, but uh, it could be kind. Who knows? Nobody knows. Uh, but um, gives us uh, so Matt gives us a story of a spooky box that has been seen throughout history, and now um, some Secret Service agents have become aware of it and are trying to track it down uh, because wherever the box goes, uh, misery follows um so yeah this is like a this is a a spooky dark story uh where um pretty early on in the comic you're already seeing like people murdered in terrible ways and dark powers at work um you know conceptually it's interesting ideas like this like um you know there's some spooky thing and it causes spooky things to happen uh, sometimes uh it's it's a lot more interesting when somebody up front tells you oh this is the you know i don't know the, the spear of longinus or something and and it has these abilities and this is what it does and then to see that start to manifest makes it more interesting than characters just not knowing and figuring it out right sometimes that little bit of knowledge gives you gives you that anticipation and you can you can see how it starts to shape so that's that's interesting um artist by tyler jenkins uh you guys might remember from 
uh, Grass Kingdom. Is that what it was called? Or Grass Kings? Oh, yeah. Grass Kings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, if you'll recall, his style is uh, sort of this like a loose sketch style that's then painted. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks fantastic. So this is, if you remember Grass Kings, there's a, tends to be a lot of like greens and oranges and blues because it's like it's set on this like big plains there's a lake in the middle and there's a lot of like beardy guys who are like redheads and brunettes in it um this story takes place in a city with like a bunch of uh, secret service guys there's a lot of like dark blues and grays and uh, honestly kind of works against it in some ways again there there will be panels like this opens with a splash panel, like a two-page uh, splash of a building and a car parked outside of it, and it looks fantastic. Then we go in to, to see who's having the conversation that we're hearing in the word balloons, and they both kind of look identical. And that kind of loose style, when everybody is like a guy who's wearing a suit and has a mustache, makes it very difficult to tell which character is talking at the time. Um, uh, also, because the lighting is so important, there, there are times when like something happens, and I think that this is a new character, and then I'll have to go back and realize that it's a character that we've seen before. But it's like under a different light, the character's painted in a different way, and they just look different enough, different enough that they might be a completely different character. Um, I got all the way through this and I'm trying to like figure out what, like, whether the, either of the detectives are black and sometimes they could be, I mean, they don't say out loud, you know, one way or the other, but it's like, sometimes they could be, and sometimes I'm like, ah, they might not be. Um, but again, because most of the time, like their skin and stuff is like blue or gray, you know, to sort of match like the moody ambiance. It's like, it's hard to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, so weirdly, despite the fact that it looks really good and it's really pretty, is like, I need to put faces to names, you know, especially in something like this, where there's going to probably be a lot of characters introduced. Um, I need to be able to, to do that. So it, it feels like a, um, it feels like an art, like an artist choice that, Again, even though there's lots of talent there, that was maybe not the best choice for something like this. Um, other than that, again, the art is good. It looks really good. Um, the story is interesting. It's spooky. Uh, I'm going to give it three slices of meatloaf. Definitely an above average thing. But, um, you know, it's it's a, it's a book that I feel that I have to work at. I have to go back and be like... Which character was this? What's their deal? What do they look like? And what do they continue to look like? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Thank you for that, uh, Rodrigo. And thank you, Ashley, for sharing your review this week. Dear listeners, if you want even more reviews, you need to head over to Majorspoilers.com. And when you're over there, you might even want to check out all the other podcasts that uh, that we do Here's what's going on this week at Major Spoilers. I already mentioned Dueling Review coming up on Thursday this week, where we will be doing Future State Aquaman number one. But if you missed Saturday's, uh, or sorry, sorry, Sunday's Wayne's Comic Podcast, Wayne interviewed Gerald J. Jones and Aaron Pohara 
on uh, his show. Some good interviews there. This week on Top 5, we will share our Top 5 fictional characters that we would have tea or coffee with. And because you demanded it, as I said, we're doing Future State Aquaman on Thursday. If uh, on Friday... The very first big race of the 27th season of Drifters comes to an exciting conclusion on the Critical Hit podcast. Oh, get some Starfinder action there, and uh, you can find out more and fill your ear-, ear holes with even more entertainment at Majorspoilers.com slash podcasts. The P is lowercase there. And if you missed Major Spoilers plays last Saturday, my son Mason made his streaming debut playing Slay the Spire on our Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash Spoilers. Will he be making a return appearance? Well, make sure you subscribe to the channel so you can get an alert every time we go live. He was not uh, averse to coming back and doing another game stream. Uh, I think he had a little bit more interest when I said he and his brother could uh, play um, uh, Among Us with me. And I think they like the idea of killing their dad again and again and again. So, yeah. Uh, Listeners, we would uh, like for your feedback. Of course, you can go over to Discord for that. Or if you'd like to contribute, you can leave us a message right here for the Major Spoilers podcast. Just call us and leave us a message at 785-727-1939. All right. This week in our trade paperback section, we are taking a look at Doctor Strange Season 1 from Greg Pak and Emma Rios. Rodrigo, why don't you give us a rundown of what this story is about and some of the big uh, highlights in, in uh, in the story uh, for Doctor Strange season one. Sure. Um, so Doctor Strange season one is the uh, sort of a year one type story uh, for Doctor Strange. That is to say, uh, it's an origin story and kind of how Doctor Strange got his powers, uh, sidekicks, uh, right down to, you know, his cool gloves. Um, the story itself, you know, uh, as you might know, uh, hues closely to the movie in the sense that uh, Stephen Strange is a doctor who loses the ability to use his hands due to an accident. He's a surgeon, loses the ability to use his hands uh, because of an accident, so he can't perform surgery anymore because he was like an excellent person who could like create or or, or um perform very minute cuts and and whatever to 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 people so that they could uh, you know basically um recuperate faster or, or whatever so he can't do that anymore searches everywhere can't find it uh to a way to heal his hands until he finally tries to use magic he finds the uh sanctum of the ancient one and begins his training uh this happens probably in the first, I don't know, 10 pages. Yeah. Like he immediately maybe not meets, even 10 pages, maybe yeah, even not even 10 that. pages. He immediately meets Mordo. Mordo is like, ah, I'm here to fight the ancient one. And like, they just like fight and stuff. Um, then, uh, he begins his training, uh, meets, uh, this other guy who's trained under the ancient one. His name is Wong. And then they are kind of, uh, then they, uh, meet a third person. Her name is, I just totally, uh, is it Sophia? Yeah. They meet Sophia. They go on a 
world-trotting adventure to find these magic rings and essentially kind of run into a different expression uh, or a different like sort of magical expression of each of these rings. In the meantime, Mordo is after them to get the rings as well. And also uh, the three of them have to kind of come together as a team, even though at least two of them ha- have enormous egos. Yeah, yeah. I kind of I kind of like the fact that and I, I don't know from the original comic book series, I think Wong is always always just introduced as an assistant or a sidekick. But here, yeah. you know, he's another he's another um, um, wizard in training. Uh, but the two of them come at it with Stephen Strange doesn't have a belief system, but has really good technique. And Wong is someone that has a really strong belief system, but has a horrible technique. And the fact right. that two of them are forced together in this buddy cop kind of uh, team up, uh, I think, is is an interesting combo. Um, I think it's also interesting that Ashley, when they have to go after these three rings of power, which is also something I don't think we've seen before in, in comics. I'm not sure if we've seen this before in comics, but this is definitely like rings of power is a very classic, uh, fantasy mm-hmm. and magic specific trope. Uh, there's even a moment about halfway through the book on the plane where they give, um, Mrs. DiCosimo, I, I can't remember her name. I'm so sorry. Sophia. Sophia, uh, my Italian, she's bad. They give her the rings to hold on to because she's the the purest and the least ego-driven, and she's wearing them in a chain around her neck, and uh, Dr. Strange looks over at her, and he goes, yes, like all Gollum-esque. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, I don't mind that as a framing device. I think it is a trope appropriate for the genre, tropes or tropes for regions. That's really cool. What was sort of interesting to me is not too long ago, we read Greg Pak's James Bond mm-hmm. joint. Mm-hmm. which felt fairly similar to this in that there is a white guy and an uh, East Asian guy who have to team up uh, to be better together, who are enemies in the Doctor Strange version. They don't stay enemies. Like in the James Bond version, they like sort of ambiguously stay enemies. Um, and I'm I'm not, you know, all, all artists do the same thing. And it's not that it feels derivative or it's not like one feels derivative of the other in any way, but it was just sort of interesting to recognize that pattern from the last Greg Pock joint that we dove into here on the podcast. And do you think that is because, um, you know, we bring our own experiences into everything we create. So Pock is bringing uh, Asian representation into these stories because that's what he wants to see in comics. Just like Absolutely. many, many readers want to bring that in. So I think that that's, and I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm not, I'm not knocking. I just was like, Oh wow. Cool. Yeah. 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 I, and that's... I, I totally dug it. I thought it was a really neat way to flip the classic relationship mm-hmm. between Wong and strange without like the movies sort of still relegate Wong to the helper position. Right. Right. And that's what kind of what I was going to get to too, is that I do like that relationship of these two are kind of polar opposites, but have to come to an understanding with one another in order to fight the greater good. I also like that even though Sophia is supposed to be the least corrupt of everyone. uh, As we get to the end of the story, she's like, ow, these things burn. And it's because, oh, she's also becoming corrupted by, by the magic. Also a Lord of the Rings trope. Yeah. Uh, The other thing that uh, we, we find out towards the end is that Stephen Strange does have a belief system, even as, even though it is very small and he is able to, I guess, wield the rings um, and uh, be able to take on the, the gods and, and their powers and, and dispel uh, Mordru and and uh, everyone else into their own dimensions and and save the day and become you know Doctor Stephen Strange and begin his and adventures, which supposedly would be in maybe season two or something like that. Uh, so so overall, it seems like we're okay with the story. I mean, Ashley, you said tropes are there for a reason to be used effectively. Mm-hmm. Do you think these tropes were used effectively in the story? Do th- 
I do think they were used effectively. Although I, I will say, um, because I, I just read, um, oh my God, what's the other recent Marvel Doctor Strange book with the, is Bucoletto or Bacalo who did the art? Oh my God. Oh, Bacello. I'm so sorry. Thank you. Yeah. Um, like I just read that, um, and I've read the oath. So like, mm-hmm. it feels like a standard version of like, this is sort of what a Dr. Strange origin is now, which is hysterical. Cause we only had one or two for so long. Like now mm-hmm. we have like 35 because these are the movies. Um, I will say, I think the art elevates it. Oh really? Okay. Cause I, I kind of want to disagree with you on that. I, I I think that the, I mean, the internet. What what else are yeah, we gonna no, do? Yeah, no, no, no. And I, I and I know that a lot of people really, really like this art. And it sounds like you do, but I do. For me, I just thought that the art was far enough into the abstract to where at times it was confusing to me, mm-hmm. uh, especially in some of the action sequences when people are moving around. That unless you're really paying close attention to which person has the beard and which person has the long hair, um, the two Wong and Stephen Strange often became interchangeable in a lot of those action sequences. So I thought, especially in the, especially, especially in the moments where we start to get into the Steve Ditko strangeness of, you know, the, the, uh, the the magical world and the Vashanti and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. That's where the art kind of lost it the most for me. Um, but I do think that the art is something to, to look at and consider just for me, it was the weakest part of the story. Um, Rodrigo, what did you, what did you, what are your thoughts on the art? Um, I guess the final, the, the, the final point where I got to is I came around to it Mm, Okay. uh, because I felt the same way that you did, Steven. I thought that a lot of the time it was really hard to tell what was happening, especially once magic gets involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and largely because there's sort of like magic is like here represented by colors. So there's sort of like this blue set of magic and this green magic and there's like red magic. And that means that like sometimes everything that's happening on panel is red. Mm-hmm. And so it's like red on red, and it's hard to tell exactly what all is going on. Um, I came around to it at the end because I sort of had like kind of worked at it enough that I was like, I, I get, I get what's going on. I get what they're going for. Uh, but it was tough at first. If I had been, because I make most of my comic book picks based on art, or at least I used to. Um, if I had picked up this issue at the comic store, opened it up and seen the art, I would have put it back uh, just because it's so hard early on to tell what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, having read the whole thing, came around to it. I'm a lot more appreciative of it. I think uh, still kind of confusing at times. Yeah. I think there are some really good moments uh, for the art to, to shine in here. One of the, my favorite pages in this entire book is in when they're going on their quest for the second ring and they're in Egypt, I forget where they're at for the, for the second ring. And they get into a war zone where there is a doctor there who's using one of the rings to heal people. And, um, ambiguously the middle East. Yes. Yes. Uh, the, at one point they quote unquote liberate the ring from the doctor and the doctor's like, Oh, without this ring, I don't know if I'll be able to do all these surgeries and help these people. And, And, you know, Stephen Strange is sitting there saying, well, you know, you're a good doctor. It doesn't the ring, the talisman does nothing other than the training that you've already received. So you be a good doctor. And you know what? I'm going to assist you and 
you know, do your doctor thing. And the page that I love is just there's like four panels where you just see outside of the hospital this line and it's super, super long. And then as the day progresses, you know, the line gets shorter and shorter and shorter until only Sophia and Wong are standing outside when Strange exits. And it's like, wow, that's powerful. That's a great way to show that both Strange and the other doctor are totally committed to helping these people regardless of the situation around them or regardless of the timeline of finding these rings before Dormammu and his ilk find them. Uh, and so I thought that, man, that was a really powerful page and there's, there's zero words in that. That's all art. So, you know, even though I do have some problems with the art, especially as I said, when it gets into the magic-y stuff, um, there, there are some really outstanding moments and that page is one that completely stands out for me and probably will for a long time to come. Rodrigo, go ahead. Oh, I, I think part of the, the disconnect is that, you know, it's a comic book, so there's this impulse to start everything with action. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's hard with a style like this. You have to do a lot of establishing. By the time that scene comes around, and by the time the like the fight at the museum comes around, for example, mm-hmm. we already know who these characters are, what they look like. So that one seems a lot less confusing, um, but it's you know, it's probably just as confusing. It's just that we hadn't learned what all we had to be looking for here, right? It's 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 kind of a thing where you, like, have to get used to what they're doing. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you in that. I kind of did want to see maybe a little bit more of these adventures by the time I was done. I wanted to see this story instead of drawn out into the six issues or whatever it was. I kind of almost wanted to see, you know, maybe ten issues or something in this. There's something yeah, about well, it that I really Marvel, don't. Marvel definitely ain't going to give you that. No, no, I don't, I don't think we've learned from Marvel now. It's you're going to get less in your book for more money. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I, I thought, I don't know. I was, I, I wanted more. So I think that says something about this book and both of the creators that I wanted to see more. Uh, but I do understand where you're coming from, Ashley, is that let's get in, let's get out. Let's see if we can make. Let's see if we can make fetch happen. And if not, we're going to drop it like a hot potato. I mean, honestly, like this book should have come out. Um, I, I'm not exactly sure when this was published. I do apologize. But this book like should have been out like the year before the Doctor Strange movie. Yes. Hit. I mm-hmm. think it's more recent than that. Um, because this is as, as someone who's worked in comics retail, like this is the perfect thing for your Sherlock fan who has become a Doctor Strange fan who comes in and says, I love Doctor Strange because, uh, you know, it used to just be the oath for a long time. The oath is mm-hmm. fabulous. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Please read Dark Trace the Oath. Uh, but this is a great companion to that where, you know, you're sort of setting up some of the more complicated things that we're probably going to get at the end of WandaVision, cum the beginning of the new Doctor Strange mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. Uh, this book came out in, I think, 2012. The Doctor Strange movie came out in 2016. So they were well oh, ahead, of, ahead of the well curve. Well, then allow me to walk that back. I'm no, an idiot. No, and... no, no. I think you're still right because... I was not aware of this book at the time. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't either. I, I had never seen this. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure that I did uh, on account of uh, Major Spoiler's excellent coverage of upcoming issues. Um, <laughs> but I just, I think, yeah, I think I saw some art pages. I was like, meh. And then I totally forgot about its existence. Yeah, and I think, I think it's easy too. But I, I, you know, I agree with you, Ashley. This is something that probably could have come out a little closer to the movie release. Like I don't, yeah. you know, they're doing Marvel does whatever Marvel does. Right. But this is definitely something that I'm sure in 2012, people were already talking about a doctor strange movie. Cause there I was mean, that bit in the were... Avengers movie where they're like, Oh, let us target uh Steven strange. Right. And, we certainly would have known the movie was going to be in development. Yeah. Yeah. By this time. And I'm sure that we, but it was, was probably Thor... out of print 
by the time 2016 rolled around. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know when this would have gone into a trade paperback, but you're right. This would have been something to hand to people because as I was reading the first bit of this, I was like, yeah, this feels just lifted right out of the movie. Uh, So I don't know if there was some connection there. Uh, overall there, there but probably was there probably was <laughs> there, there, there may have been very much so and and the one thing that i will say that this book does best is not telling us in an entire issue how stephen strange was in a car accident and and wrecked his hands they basically summed up what happened to him in like a page or two i do like that sequence where he's trying to use the can opener uh-huh. um at and it's sort of all mystically blending with the car crash. I thought that was very cool. Yeah, yeah. And it's not like they had to spend, we're going to spend an entire issue showing how Bruce Wayne's parents died. And it's like, we don't need that. We just, Mm -hmm. we know that he's got these broken hands. And I love the art when Emma Rios is showing his scarred hands. And it is just like, I mean, you think that in the movie they're they're doing those little highlights of, of where the scars are. But in this one, it's just like, imagine every vein in your finger and hand is all lit up. And that is, those are the scars all over his hands in this book. And I thought that was really kind of interesting to just see how mangled his hands were. Now they weren't shooting off in all directions, like when Ditko did it uh, originally, but um, it definitely, it definitely had some, some of those, some of that vibe in there as well. Um, Rodrigo, did you like going back, you know, we've kind of jumped ahead, but I want to circle back around. Did you like the, the use of, of some of the trope storytelling in, in this book? Yeah, I, I did. I, I thought it was fine. Um, you know, I wasn't expecting, I wasn't expecting anything else really. And I, that that sounds dismissive, but <laughs> I, there's not a lot of magic stuff in the Marvel universe. Um, the Marvel universe kind of had its genesis with like the like transistors, and then like you know the atom, right? Um, so. Uh, it's nice to just kind of do magic stuff just to be like, okay, well, here's how these rings work and here's how magic works. And you need to call upon the power. Uh, remember all of those weird things that Dr. Strange says that you know about, you know, yeah. the hoary host of Hoggoth and like the fire the flame of the Faltine or whatever. I loved, I loved that him trying to light the candle. Yeah. So all of that stuff is stuff that has always been in the comics, but when it's Doctor Strange and Silver Surfer and the Hulk, like fighting someone, it's just like the stuff he shouts. It might as well be it's clobbering time, right? So it's mm-hmm. nice to take some time just to see what that stuff is supposed to be. And of course, this is uh, you know Greg Pak really going in and telling you this is what this stuff could be. This is what I want it to be for this. Mm-hmm. Um, because it could be anything, right? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. just sort of like this is how I'm going to have magic work in this version of Doctor Strange, and it's fine. It's satisfying enough. It gives the world kind of this, um, this sense that magic is something that you kind of have to negotiate. You can't just call upon these powers and expect that they're going to obey you. Um, and that tells you something about the practitioners of magic in this world and about what these rings represent since they allow you to circumvent that right yeah. so a lot of a lot of the magic system is fleshed out you know at least well enough that you, that I'm like okay yeah I'm on board I, I get what you're doing here and it's consistent which is nice so so that all works yeah I kind of like the little bit of and I know we were talking about Harry Potter earlier there's kind of a little bit of Hermione moments going on in here where it's not Leviosa it's Leviosa uh, you know, when when they're both trying to say, no, you need to hold your hand this way. No, you need to say it this way. 
and and emphasize this. I I, I kind of dig that because they're really you're right. They are without saying here are the strict rules of magic. They're impl- they're telling you through their actions, which I think is always the best storytelling. Um, this is you know magic is very strict and rigid if you want it to work, and there has to be a belief system in there uh, as well. So I was going to bring up. Um, it's also just a really smart way to like ease into the idea of magic because um cadence rhythm pronunciation ritual is all very important to uh, religious structures that most of your mm-hmm. readers are probably at least passingly familiar with mm-hmm. so yeah yeah regardless of what your religion is there's probably something you have yeah. to say in a specific way uh, that's part of that uh yeah 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 i agree with you totally right there ashley uh what um, what didn't you like about this book ashley um I know this is supposed to be new reader friendly, new user friendly. I don't know if it is. Um, It is in the sense that there's a lot of exposition in volume one, but I think it does rely on a basic knowledge of some of the magical trappings of the Marvel universe. Um, And I think it is bolstered by a passing familiarity with Dr. Strange. Mm -hmm. Um, I also, I didn't like my main criticism is that like, this is, it which is something that you said earlier um is that we don't get more from these versions of the characters because so often we meet characters at the height of their power and this type of origin story which is based in failure is very interesting and in a post iron man world where everything is very cookie cutter tony stark i found this to be uh very intriguing yeah yeah i i like that even though there's a, a female character in here that she doesn't serve as the central love interest or the damsel in distress, Thankfully. that she is treated pretty straightforward, um, which uh, is maybe a little bit different than what we saw in the Doctor Strange movie where, um, oh, what's the actress's name? Rachel McAdams. Rachel McAdams is basically there to... Christine, I believe her character's name Yeah, is. yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, I, I rather appreciated that in this book. Um, I think that probably, as I said, probably my least favorite bit of the book uh, is still the art. Um, but I, but I enjoyed the, the story tremendously and uh, wanted to see more. Rodrigo, what are some things that you didn't like about this book? Um, I, I felt that like at times I felt that some of these concepts probably did call for a lot more of like, Hey, let's slow down and talk about this. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. sometimes they're just like, nobody, nope. We're just moving on with the story. And it's like, all right. Um, I like that. He's not the sorcerer Supreme by the end of this. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that there's like a potential to see more of this trio. Um, but because it's a, it's a Dr. Strange thing, the trio kind of largely revolves around him. It's his relationship with her and his relationship with Wong, uh, his relationship with Sophia and with Wong. And we don't get a lot of Wong and Sophia. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's like, that would have been the, like, if there was another draft of this, that's what I would have liked to have seen is actually have these guys be a team. It can still be like Dr. Strange and his amazing friends. But, but for example, you know what Iceman and Firestar's relationship is to each other. So I would have liked to have seen that as well here. Yeah. 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 
So what's the, what's the bottom line, Ashley? Is this something you recommend? You say borrow? Is this a must buy? Is this a forget? What what's what's your final thought on this? <laughs> Uh, I think there's only one thing I've ever read for MSP, which I would blanket say forget. And I believe at the beginning of this review, I said I could not finish this in good conscience. Um, <laughs> so nothing is there's there's I I really believe there is even if it's this was not for me and I did not enjoy. It, there's something we take it from everything. Um, this my blanket statement for this is is a borrow because it is weird the art uh, and the thing that I, I liked about the art, but I think can be off putting is much more reminiscent of like an Eastern European fairy tale mm-hmm, than mm-hmm. a traditional Western comic. And sometimes that really bolsters it in my opinion. And sometimes you're like, where's the beard? Uh, like Rodrigo mm. mentioned earlier. So if you are like a, a, an art junkie, if you like weird things, or if you are a Dr. Strange fan, then I would definitely say buy this. I think this deserves a place on the shelf along with some of the other origin stories that we talked about. I think it is really cool. Um, but if you're more of like a passing Marvel fan and you were like, yeah, that sounds kind of good, uh, borrow it or maybe pick up a digital copy of it, which is cheaper than a physical copy uh, or, you know, help us out here at Major Boys, click the little comiXology link, you know, a little benefit for everybody. Um, but it's definitely, well, I really enjoyed it. I think it's a your mileage may vary type of book. Yeah, I, I think for me, this is definitely a borrow book. Uh, I like your your comment earlier that you made, Ashley, where you're like, this is something I would definitely hand to someone who's just like, oh, I hear there's a Doctor Strange movie coming up and I want to get in on this. Unfortunately, this book kind of very quickly deviates from what we've seen in the movie as well as deviates from what we see in the comics. And so I think if you were to say, oh, I need a real quick primer on Doctor Strange, this is probably not the book I would give you um, only because uh, it's kind of in this weird nebulous zone of. It doesn't feel quite 616, and it's certainly not MCU, so it's kind of just floating there. And if you want a very interesting uh, Doctor Strange story that has interesting art that, you know, features you know, features characters that you see in the movie and in the comics, then this is definitely something to pick up. But I, I don't think I would I would say rush out into buying Frenzy. Definitely borrow it if you can. I think there's some really good bits in this, um, but it's it's not going to fill in any blanks that you are missing from either, you know, uh, reading the, the comic books or, or watching the movie. So that's, that's it for me. Rodrigo, final thoughts. Um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a borrow for me as well. Um, I think that this is a fun story. Um, it's nice because it kind of elevates Wong in a way that we don't often see. Um, but, uh, I, I think there's like a big asterisk, and that's that, like, I, I think out there, there's probably going to be some people that are going to be big fans of Emma Rios's art. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. in this, uh, in this book, it's, it's super cranked up, right? Like you like Emma Rios, do you want to see her draw like a giant lady spaceman and tiger in the same panel and their magic and lightnings coming out of their eyes that happens here, you know? So it's like. Somebody out there really wants this book for the art. And as someone who often picks up comics for the art, I definitely recommend that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but other other than that, for the story, it's a good it's a good Doctor Strange story, but definitely borrow it. Yep. All right. Uh, thank you, Rodrigo and Ashley. Rodrigo, where can people find more of you if they're interested in contacting you? Uh, you can usually find me at Fearsome Critter on Twitter. Okay. And Ashley, what about you? 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ashley V. Robinson. The V is very important. And since I know you're already subscribed to the Major Spoilers podcast feed, be sure and listen to Geek History Lesson. I do that with Jason Inman. And this week we covered The Vision, yeah, one of my favorite Marvel robots. So it's a good time. Yeah, if you want to know the difference between a robot and an AI, Ashley breaks it down for you. <laughs> yeah, for uh, like seven entire minutes. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed that discussion uh, this week. And I know in the past that you guys has done Doctor Strange. I would certainly yep. recommend if people want the, uh, what is it, the Doctor Strange holiday special, I would certainly yeah, we've go. Got like four uh, of them now. So Doctor Strange is a, a prominent figure. Yeah. Very fruity Doctor Strange is a prominent figure on Geek History Lesson. Clea shows up too if you're like a deep cut Doctor Strange fan. Clea is a big part of it too. Yep. It uh, definitely is a highlight of uh, any time <laughs> that he does show up. So go check that out. And dear listener, that wraps it up for this issue. Thank you so much for listening and thank you for being part of the Major Spoilers experience. We love your feedback. So use the comment section over at Major Spoilers to share your thoughts and reactions to this episode. Or even better, you can send us an email to podcast at majorspoilers.com. And don't forget, you can support this show and everything we do by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash majorspoilers. We will be back next week to look at the second volume of Invincible, because we know that you love comics and we do too, and we will talk with you soon. If I had the x-ray vision of a Superman, I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler. If I'm star raving rich like a man of iron, I might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. Would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being shot up in a fun bee in the Middle East with a King Santo and soldier. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler, yeah, 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 what a major spoiler, whoa, 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 what a major spoiler. This podcast is copyright 2021 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.